Find us at jimhightower.substack.com. Hey, this is Brother Cornell West, and you are listening to 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is Radioactive Magazine, a KKFI public affairs program of progressive activism, opinion, and commentary. Opinions expressed on this program are those of the speakers alone and are not necessarily the views of KKFI, its staff, volunteers, board of directors, show hosts, or other guests on the program. Welcome to Radioactive Magazine. This episode is devoted to three local activists. Um, Ann Sulentrop and Kimmy Iglo discuss their time observing the second meeting of states' parties to the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, November 27th to December 1 at the United Nations headquarters in New York City. Uh, then, um, and there, uh, they'll also discuss a report back scheduled for July, January 7th, Sunday, 3 to 5 p.m. at the Penn Valley Meeting, Penn Valley Friends Meeting House, 4405 Gillum Road, Kansas City, Missouri. After that, uh, Margot Patterson will uh, discuss a candlelight vigil for children killed in the current Israel-Hamas war held last Thursday, December 14. Kimmy, Ann, talk to us about your recent trip to New time in New York City. I'm very grateful to Physicians for Social Responsibility for getting me clearance to enter the UN and participate in the second meeting of states parties. It was a fascinating experience. And to see the Treaty on Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons being put into action was really inspiring as well. Um, here. Delegates from across the globe strongly refuted the deterrence theory, which is what we've been sold in America, that, oh, we need more nuclear weapons to deter other people from using them on us. Um, this is genuinely a flawed theory, um, and that's been proven by research. Um, and the fact that there's 69 um, states parties across the world all signing on to this, and we only have nine nuclear armed states left, America being one of them, it shows that we really are falling behind um, on committing to the future and dedicating our resources toward human need and climate um, healing, climate research. Um, wait, I'm gonna <laughs> I don't know if that made sense. Hold on. Um, that was fantastic. Yeah, America needs to be funding human need and climate research, not the proliferation of nuclear weapons. Um, they also each of these states parties also called for more research to be funded um, to provide even more definitive proof of nuclear weapons global devastation. Um, this is what we learned from research during the Cold War. And present day research is confirming what has been known for the last eight decades. However, military interests continue to poke holes and write off scientific evidence, as is typical. Um, however, it was still really inspiring to see other countries dedicating their resources to learning more about um, how we can inform and educate our community on the risks of nuclear annihilation and the devastation that nuclear weapons can cause. Um, my last point would be it's incredibly inspiring to see so many young people from around the world calling for nuclear disarmament. 
It shows that this really is an unstoppable global movement backed by facts and lived experience from survivors of multi-generational nuclear violence. Like these are kids who have witnessed nuclear trauma in their parents and their grandparents who are coming to the UN to speak about this experience and to ask those in power to dedicate themselves to nuclear disarmament around the world. And it was a really powerful movement to see. So these are not just, these are Japanese kids, Japanese young people, as well as young people from places like the Congo where they provided uranium mining. Am I, am I correct about that? There were young people from Japan. There were also young people from Kazakhstan, which has 18,000 square miles uninhabitable, the size of New Jersey, uninhabitable due to nuclear contamination. So um, that's something that's still happening today, people living with um, radioactivity in their backyards. Um, but yeah, and then it also, will only be another few million years before it's safe for humans, right? Yeah, unless the powers that be dedicate their resources and funding to cleaning up their mess, which is what the people have been calling for. Right. <laughs> no, no. It will take millions of dollars, millions oh, yeah. of dollars that Boeing has. Boeing has millions of dollars to clean up the nuclear radiation and waste that's in America. However, they refuse to be accountable um, and there's people actively fighting against Boeing and NASA for the mess they've left behind um, within miles of residential communities. Uh, Tim and Wallace uh, is, is, has got to have a forthcoming book on warheads to windmills. He talks about, he says, we would be safer and more prosperous uh, if we put the people who are currently involved in developing nuclear weapons and producing nuclear weapons like the ones in the Kansas City National Security Campus uh, and have them working on green energy. Um, your comment? Well, of course, that's also, yeah, that is where our funding needs to be going is the survival of our planet, not the possible annihilation of our planet. And any comments? Well, I would say that the UN meetings to me are so hopeful because prior to this, you know, I've been doing this work for 15 years. We were relying on the non-proliferation treaty, which was basically uh, saying, well, we've got nuclear weapons uh, and we don't want you guys to have them, but you can have nuclear energy. And it was just not working. Uh, and it, 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 now the old narrative of patriarchy, colonialism, American exceptionalism, and imperialism, it's giving way because people from around the world are organizing and speaking out, and they force this new treaty to actually compensate, medically treat and compensate people that have been affected and to restore their lands that have been contaminated. And this is a powerful new movement, and it's not going to stop. And it's just something that um, we have to face the consequences of the decisions that were apparent in the Oppenheimer film that showed this, you know, the great white men and their invention, and, and they didn't even include any mention of radiation or the harmful effects that it would have on people. And... Um, this is just something that we deal with. And even in our cities, such as St. Louis, 
and uh, the people, even from the very first test bomb, the Trinity bomb in New Mexico, generations after generations have been affected by cancer. And uh, for example, we saw uh, at the IPPNW awards ceremony, Tina IPPNW. Uh, International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War. And she was given an honor for her 18 years of, of doing work to try to get compensation for generations of her in her own family and, and others in a 150 mile radius uh, area in New Mexico. And uh, she's seeking uh, compensation through the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. And unfortunately, uh, on December 7th, that did not uh, go forward in Congress in the uh, National Defense Authorization Act. But the hopeful thing is that we can press again. We got so close this year. Next year, we can press again and hopefully include the people that were contaminated from the Kansas City plant. And that opened in 1949 and moved to its new location in 2014. So a lot of people in Kansas City were affected by that, even people that didn't make nuclear weapons. The people that worked at that complex, like in the IRS and so forth, they uh, experienced cancers and many died young, more younger than uh, retirement age. So um, it's just um, an amazing to me the power of people when they can get together and pool their resources, what they can accomplish. Yeah, IPPNW, International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War, won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1985 and contributed to the, uh, the uh, helped uh, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, won it in uh, 2017. Am I correct about that? Yes, and um, the Physicians for Social Responsibility, which is the U.S. branch of IPPNW, they have a campaign called Back from the Brink, and we were actually part of a uh, a march in New York where we wore our T-shirts, and um, we uh, are um, part of a whole uh, uh, gathering of, of uh, people that are pushing our local officials on up to our federal officials to seek to push us back away from nuclear weapons uh, to, you know, take weapons off high alert to uh, change the idea that just one person, the president, has the ability to decide, well, we're going to have a nuclear war and I'm going to push this button. I'm going to use these codes. And um, this will inch the U.S. closer to signing on to the TPNW. So we're hoping to revive the, the local chapter of the Kansas City Physicians for Social Responsibility and work on this, um, you know, and also we're, we're hoping to do more arts-based work because arts speak directly to the, to the soul, to the spirit. And people, people know they don't want to die. They want to live. They want the earth to thrive. And they're, they're you know, nuclear weapons are, are never going to be used, hopefully. So why are we pouring all these resources into something that's just a waste of 
of our talents, our our intellect, our our lives. You know, it's it's crazy. You are listening to Kimmy Igla and Ann Sulentrop discuss their discussing their observations of the second meeting of states parties to the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons and uh, their work with Physicians for Social Responsibility and PeaceWorks Kansas City. Um, the their, uh, That second meeting of states, uh, let me back up, let me start over. You are listening to Kimmy Igla and, uh, and Ann Sulentrop discussing their observations of the second meeting of states parties to the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, November 27 to December 1 at the United Nations. Um, Margot Patterson will join us shortly to uh, discuss a candlelight vigil for the children killed in the current Israel-Hamas war held last Thursday, December 14. So, Kimmy, talk to us more about, you have um, an event um, on, uh, talk to us more about poetry and art space. Yes, so a huge point brought up at the second meeting of states parties was that the use of art as a means to mobilize people, to educate people and inspire people to act. Um, art is an igniter of sorts. So um, I'm really excited that the Fountain City Poets Slam team, our local slam poetry team, has um, agreed to learn more and educate themselves to further educate our community. Um, they're going to be writing some powerful anti-nuclear um, poems, um, group pieces and individual pieces. And I'm really excited to unveil what we create um, and what shows come forth from this project. Um, I also wanted to share, there were uh, a lot of the folks on the SLAM team are also involved in ceasefire organizing. There were folks, multiple remarks made at the UN um, calling for ceasefire in Gaza um, for, again, to stop the genocide against Palestinians perpetrated by um, Israeli occupation. Um, there are multiple calls for ceasefire at this meeting, especially considering that Israel has threatened nuclear annihilation against Palestine. And this would not just mean the annihilation of a whole group of people that do not deserve it. It would also be devastating to our environment. That is what we need to get the public to understand. It's not we could be hoarding these weapons for the rest of our lives. It won't actually prevent nuclear war. And even if they were to be used, it would be devastating for our environment as a whole. And so more research that we can get done and the more we can help people understand the risks of nuclear use, um, I think the more we can inspire people to act and call on their representatives to make Kansas City a nuclear weapons-free zone. Like New York City, through their organizing, we're able to establish New York City as a nuclear weapons-free zone. And I believe that's possible for Kansas City, too. I also wanted to share a quote by um, the Minister of Science and Innovation from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Dr. Gilbert Kabanda Kurhenga. Um, he is quoted here as saying, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, TPNW, it's not just a legally binding instrument. It's a tool of informing the community of nuclear risk to spur the international community to avoid these weapons. 
Science and technology should be utilized to improve living standards and medical advancements, not nuclear weapons. No one is safe until everyone is safe. Collective safety and security require us to ban nuclear weapons and to make an unswerving commitment to the treaty. I found that quote to be very inspiring. Um, and the local poetry scene is excited to mobilize people to learn more about nuclear weapons as mo all this information by our Department of Energy and our government forces here in America have made it impossible to fully understand or learn more about the nuclear risks in our own city being built right under our noses. And I don't think it's right for our tax dollars to be essentially stolen to proliferate a weapon that's supposedly never to be used. Um, so I'm excited to get the poetry community galvanized for this cause. And and if it is used, the so there's a, a international team of scientists, climatologists, um, uh, experts in food production, um, econo economists who have simulated a number of different nuclear war scenarios, and including one with the U.S. between the U.S. and Russia. They, they and there's a video produced by the uh, uh, the um, I've got the name I missed the name now, but uh, in any case, a video that talks about a simulated nuclear war saying that and the most likely outcome of a nuclear war between the U.S. and Russia would be uh, a, a nuclear winter lasting a decade, uh, during which 99% of the people in the nor Northern Hemisphere would starve to death if they did not die of, of something else sooner. 80% of people worldwide and over 90% of the fatalities would be in countries not involved in the, in the nuclear exchange. It should also be said that the radiation from tests done in New Mexico during the Oppenheimer's era, the radiation from those tests spread to 46 cities within the first 10 days. And there are statistics that show that the rate of stillbirths in New Mexico the year after Oppenheimer's inventions, uh, the rate of stillbirths was 56% higher than the rest of the country. So right. this happened right under the community's nose. And yeah. the same thing could happen anywhere on the planet, and especially in America, where they are hell-bent on keeping nuclear information from the public. Right. I speak, I think speaking of that, the Kansas City plant is doubling. They plan to double next year and increase the number of workers to 9,000, which was the number during the Cold War. And we are going to have an, uh, a retreat in April on tax weekend to plan people's resistance to this uh, because they are supposed to be having hearings where the public can testify uh, about this doubling, mainly basically starting a new arms race here, right here in Kansas City. And they have kept these under the cover, secret, and uh, this is a violation of the NEPA laws, the National Environmental Protection Agency law, that the public is supposed to be able to voice their opposition to this. And we will do that. We will make sure that we do. <laughs> right. So my my assessment is that the the major media. Uh, response to the people who con who control most of the money for the media, and I think 
they could make an issue of, the, of this if they chose and they don't choose to because evidently the people who control the money for the media think they benefit from this this um, new uh, destabilizing international arms race. Well, they always use the argument that, oh, it's so, so important to have these jobs and this economic boom to our community. But these jobs are hazardous jobs. They're not healthy jobs. And that's pretty pathetic. If that the only choice you have to make a decent living is to make nuclear weapons. Uh, exactly. It, we need we need people with those skills working on working on uh, renewable energy. We don't need them threatening the uh, extinction of civilization. <laughs> Least of all, the deaths of ninety nine percent of people in the, in the in the northern hemisphere. <laughs> uh, and, and the uh, fact is that nuclear weapons and radioactivity negatively affect women and children far worse than men. And this is something that uh, Oppenheimer movie did not mention, of course. So it's it's a gender issue as well. Uh, you know, they have higher incidence of cancer, brain tumors, uh, DNA, you know, effects, birth defects. So uh, a, a woman will have or uh, someone assigned female at birth will have all the eggs um, inside of them that they will have for the rest of their life. So if they experience nuclear radiation, each one of those eggs has also experienced radiation. And so that is what makes nuclear violence a multi-generational thing is that each generation born after will suffer the same effects, whether they were alive during the radioactive um, violence or not. Yeah, born born uh, decades later, right? I mean, there's there's research that indicates that that um, the children of women who were in gestation um, during the late in in the Netherlands in the late in World War II um, suffered worse health because because the Nazis starved the Netherlands during that period. And so the people, uh, the women did not get, get enough to eat and it affected the health of their children and their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Yes, war is not healthy for children and other living things. We're about out of time. Uh, any final comments for our audience? Um, talk with your friends and family about what they know about nuclear weapons. Um, you can look up ICANN, um, International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. They have lots of resources to better inform ourselves about what's happening in our own city and beyond um, and what we can do to support the Treaty on Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Great. And you can also look at the uh, preventnuclearwar.org website for back from the brink information okay and and just a, a disclaimer uh i'm the secretary of peaceworks kansas city and uh, ann is uh is um what vice president and kimmy is a, serves on the board okay yep and i'm also very grateful to serve with ann for physicians for social responsibility kansas city okay Okay, thanks very much to Anne Swellentrop and Kimmy Igliff for that report on their observations of the November 27th to December 1st second meeting of states parties to the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons at the headquarters of the United Nations in New York City. A link to a 
four-minute and eight-second video of a simulated nuclear war between the U.S. and Russia is available in the description of this episode of Radioactive Magazine. Go to kkfi.org, then click News and Public Affairs, then Radioactive Magazine, and then find this particular episode. Um, If you do not see News and Public Affairs, look for the hamburger icon in the upper right and click on that. Also, you are invited to a more detailed report back from uh, from their experiences at the second meeting of state parties, January 7, Sunday, 3 to 5 p.m., at the Penn Valley Friends Meeting House, 4405 Gillum Road, Kansas City, Missouri. Parents and grandparents are encouraged to bring school-aged children. Greta Thunberg started working on action for climate change at age, at age 8. You do not need to be old enough to vote to write letters to public officials or to phone bank. Next, Margot Patterson is here to tell us about a candlelight vigil asking for peace in the Holy Land with white flags to honor the children killed in the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, This vigil was last Thursday, December 14. Margot? Uh, Unmute, Margot. I can't hear you, Margot. Well, I'm sorry. So I guess we will, I think we'll have to. <laughs> so in any case, I can't, I can't hear Margot's comments, but she was, I'm, I'm, I'm awfully sorry, Margot. We'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll have to do, they came out and they had a, a, a vigil with a, a number of people, and I guess we'll have to hear about that later. You have been listening to Kimmy Igla and Ann Sulentrop discussing their observations on the, of the second meeting of states' parties to the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, November 27 to December 1 at UN headquarters in New York City. Their observations will be de- discussed further on January 7, Sunday, 3 to 5 p.m. at the Penn Valley Friends Meeting House at 4405 Gillum Road, Kansas City, Missouri. Parents and grandparents, as I mentioned, are encouraged to bring school-aged children. Um, Greta Thunberg started working for Action on Climate Change at age eight. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So, um, okay. And uh, you do not have to be old enough to vote to write letters to public officials or to phone bank. Um, and I tried to get, and Margot Patterson and others organized a candlelight vigil asking for peace in the Holy Land with white flags to honor the children killed in the Israel-Hamas war that was held last Thursday. Tune in next week when attorney, historian, and professor of the practice at KU School of Public Affairs and Administration, Carl Brooks, shares his forecasts for what the Republican supermajorities in Kansas and Missouri are likely to do starting less than a month from now. I'm Spencer Graves. Craig LeBeau is at the controls. Thanks for listening. Margo? About 30 of us gathered at Tice Park. That's the park in front of the Nelson Art Gallery. And I think it was a very moving and um, 
you know, it's just, a, I think it's a very moving experience for all of us. Wonderful, when I say wonderful, really powerful testimony. Uh, there, a letter from rabbis for ceasefire was read, which is a statement put out by about 200 rabbis calling for an immediate permanent ceasefire. Um, Henry Stover spoke to that and Chris Overfelt gave a very powerful testimony about how the truth is being erased just as the people of, of Gaza are being erased and spoke about the fact that those are US made bombs that are being dropped on on Gaza in the first like five weeks of the war, 15,000 bombs were dropped. Those cost tens of thousands of dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. And it is in our name that, I mean, we are very much part of the destruction of Gaza. And a poet, uh, a poem by a wonderful Palestinian poet and peacemaker, Rafat Alarir was read. It was, um, I think people found it very meaningful. And as you mentioned, the display of flags commemorated the thousands. As of several days ago, I think it was 7,700. Okay. Another 10 seconds. I'm sure it's risen more in the past few days.